This is a good day, isn't it? We have come to worship the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 23. Psalm 23, that's where we're going to be studying this morning. Um, Most of you probably know that psalm, or you have heard it from one time or another. But today we want to look at Psalm 23. We've been talking about the names of God, and we've talked about uh, Elohim, the strong one. We've talked about Adonai, uh, the sovereign one, the one who is Lord and Master. And uh, we talked about uh, Yahweh uh, from the verb to be. He is the self-existent one. He doesn't rely on anybody else, but he cares about us. He is eternal, and he loves us. And we, we had a combination that we put together last week, and it, uh, it means that the Lord, Yahweh, the self-existent one, the one who is eternal, the strong one, is our provider, and he provides for us. So we talked about that in so many different ways Today I want to look at the idea that he is Yahweh Ra'ah. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. This is probably one of the best known passages in all of scripture. It's interesting as you look at this passage because uh, as a child going to Sunday school and vacation Bible school, this is probably one of the first full chapters that I've memorized in the Bible. And uh, so if you go to Sunday school or you go to church, you'll oftentimes memorize this as a young person. Uh, I think I was about in the third grade when we memorized this in a vacation Bible school. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. And it goes on, and we're going to talk about that this morning. And then it's the one that uh, is most often often on the back of that little card at a memorial service or... A celebration of life used to be called a funeral service, and people know the 23rd Psalm. I remember uh, a lady that actually came to church here when we came over, first came, and she had cancer, and she said, Andy, would you please preach my sermon, the message that you're going to give from the 23rd Psalm, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And so we just talked about that. And so I want to talk about uh, the good shepherd this morning. I want to talk about Jesus as our shepherd. And, uh, you know, I've talked about shepherds before. I've talked about the 23rd Psalm before. Uh, it, It helps if you know a little bit about sheep. A lot of times people today have very little understanding what sheep are. They've seen pictures of them, and maybe they've seen them on a hillside, but uh, first-hand experience, it really isn't there. And it really helps to have some of that first-hand experience. I, I, in preparing this sermon, I, I like to look back for this one specifically to some of the devotional commentaries because you pick up individuals who know a little bit about sheep. Uh, one of the commentaries I went to was written by a, a man by the name of David Roper. He was an associate at uh, Peninsula Bible Church a number of years ago, and he'd had sheep as a young man. He'd had sheep in 4-H and FFA. He hated sheep after that. But uh, sheep, how many of you have firsthand experience with sheep? One, two, three, four, five, uh, six. Okay, we're doing pretty good in, in a city town like this. Wow. Few of you have been around sheep, but I notice we all have gray hair. Uh, So younger people don't have a lot of experience with sheep. And uh, I remember when I was probably, and I've shared this before, 13, 14 years of age, probably the 8th, ninth grade, uh, 
I, I put an ad in the paper that I wanted some bummer lambs. We had about two acres, and so I got these two little sheep, and I've shared about them, how I put them in a pen out back, and I raised them up, and uh, they were great. I'd, I'd let the pen open, and they'd, they'd come out, and they'd be there in, in the area with me. Uh, a bummer lamb, in case you don't know what that means, that means his mama doesn't want him anymore. He's an orphan, and uh, maybe mama had triplets, and she can only take care of two, or Maybe mama died, or maybe you got a young mama that just didn't want to be a mama, and she kicks him and says, get out of here. And so a bummer lamb goes around to all these other mamas wanting to get dinner. And so he bums dinner off all the rest of them. That's where they get the name. And so I had these lambs, three of them, two lived, and uh, I raised them up. But what you'll find out about sheep, and I've mentioned it before, is that sheep aren't real smart. They aren't the smartest animals in the barnyard. In fact, who, who, is, who is probably one of the smartest animals in the barnyard? Every, anybody know? Pigs. Pigs. You all want me to call you pigs? You know, the Lord is our pig shepherd or pig herder. Uh, I think we wouldn't like that very much. But the sheep aren't real smart. They, they get in trouble when the shepherd's not there. They make poor decisions, uh, unwise decisions. My sheep would stick around as long as I was outside but when I wasn't outside, they went to the neighbors. I've shared this before. They went over to his vegetable garden, kind of like Peter Rabbit, not a wise thing to do. Wasn't wise on about three accounts. Number one, first reason it wasn't wise is because we had plenty of grass where we were. It was good food. It was a great place for sheep to be. There was no reason for them to go across to the vegetable garden. The other second reason it was not wise is because my sheep didn't know much about cars. And he was on the other side of the road. If a car came speeding along, I would no longer have sheep. I would have lamb chops and leg of lamb and maybe a skin to put over my chair, you know, a sheep skin. Uh, Darlene's laughing because we had that later, but the car didn't get them. But sheep would go over there, and the other reason it wasn't good is because the neighbor didn't want him there. He might not have minded a rack of lamb, but, or, uh, but he definitely did not like sheep in his garden. And so sheep make unwise decisions, and yet that is the picture that we get here is that God is our shepherd. And we're the sheep of his pasture. I remember way back to a sermon when I was in seminary. Our pastor was preaching probably on the 23rd Psalm. And he talked about sheep. And he said, sheep are basically helpless. If, if a predator comes into where they are, the predator, a dog or a lion or whatever. Mostly dogs are what they have problems with in the United States. But a dog or a coyote can go in and tear up a flock of sheep. We had a, a flock that was down below us when I was in high school. Uh, people had them in this beautiful pasture, and one night a bunch of dogs, probably the neighbor's dogs, all got together and just slaughtered the entire flock. It was a sad thing. There, there's no way to defend themselves. They're defenseless. I remember this pasture, though, as he was talking about the cast lamb, and I mentioned that before, how a sheep, if it gets out in the hillside and there's a little declivity and it gets over on its back... It can't right itself unless somebody comes and turns it over because it's helpless at that point. And they lay there and they die. A healthy sheep will simply die at that point. 
And so we are the sheep of the good shepherd. Uh, don't turn back here, but in John chapter 10, it's a great, a great parable concerning the good shepherd. And you go down to verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus is talking and he says, I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He is willing to sacrifice himself. Down in verse 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. And they follow me. The good shepherd. In verses 2 through 4 of this passage, it says, He who enters the gate, enters by the door, is the shepherd going of the sheep. He's going into the sheepfold. He's looking for his sheep. Many, a number of sheep would be there of different shepherds and he would go in and it says to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out and only those sheep that are the sheep of the shepherd will follow him the rest stay right there in the sheepfold and when he puts forth all of his own he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him simply because they know his voice and so it's the good shepherd that they follow, and it's the good shepherd that leads them out to find pasture and water and all of the things they need. Now, I said before, sheep are a, a problem. They, they can be an issue, and that can be true for us as well because we can wander away from our shepherd. In Isaiah 53, it says, All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has caused the iniquity, the sin of all of us, to fall on Jesus. He carried it for us because we were sheep that didn't follow. But let's begin to look at this passage. Yahweh Ra'ah, the Lord is my shepherd, verse 1 of Psalm 23, I shall not want. I won't have any needs, that's really what it's saying, that Jesus, that God is all I need. I, I, I don't want, I do not want for anything else if I have the Lord. Because you see, he satisfies my needs, he he meets the needs of my life. I don't know whether you stop to think about that, but when you're going through struggles and hardships, it's, it's Jesus that's there to meet the needs. So often we get caught up looking at everything else or looking to someone else or to something else instead of looking to Jesus. It says that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Kind of a hard passage to follow a little bit when you think about it because there's only two options here. Either the Lord is my shepherd or he's not. Either I'm following closely where the Lord leads me or I'm not. I think there are some who may be part of his fold, but they're still wandering away. Others who are having their needs met and he's saying, they're saying, I... The Lord's my shepherd, I don't have need of anything else, are, are those who follow him. If I had needs and I'm anxious and I'm uptight and I'm frustrated with life and I'm frustrated with things that are going on and I don't seem to be satisfied in life, the chances are that the Lord isn't my shepherd. I don't know how many of you have thought about that because we look at our lives apart. Well, yeah, God's my shepherd and... Yet, does he meet our needs? Do we see that in life? Is he all that I need? Is Jesus all that I need? I remember um, 
years ago, quite a few years now, uh, Darlene and I were single. I'd started a singles group, and it, it was a great group. We had a great time together, but some of these young gals, especially not so much the guys, but the gals would come in, and they would uh, they'd say, oh, I'm not married yet. I'm going to be an old maid. There's nobody for me. And you know, we got married. A lot of people got married younger back then. Darlene and I were both 27, almost 28. And, and so we were old. People said, what's the matter with you? Why aren't you getting married yet? It, I, I remember this little gal came in. She would graduated from high school the year before. She was 19 years of age, and her parents told her she was an old maid. You're not married yet. We can't believe it. Oh, no. And she struggled with the fact within a year she was married. I don't know how it worked out, but I'm going to tell you something. If you're not satisfied with life when you're single, here's a secret. You won't be when you're married either. If you think some guy or some gal is going to satisfy your life and make it all better, they're not. We have to be satisfied with who we are in our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. I would tell people that aren't married... (laughs) Sometimes people have come in and they've talked to me and I've said, I'll tell you what, it's a whole lot better to be single than to be with the wrong person. And uh, I really believe that's true. But, Dar- but God is our, our shepherd. He's the one that meets our needs. I remember there was another situation. Darlene and I were in a, in a married group up in Portland in our church. It was a large church. So we had 150 people there every Sunday in our Sunday school. They were all young marrieds. And there were a number of, of women that had not had children, and they thought their life was lost, basically. They were in turmoil because they didn't have children. Children would fulfill them. Children would make the need. Children would meet the emptiness of their life. And I'll tell you, it's wonderful to have a family, and it's wonderful to have kids. I'm not putting that down. But uh, what happens is when you have kids, you take that baby home, and guess what? You don't get any sleep for a while. They keep you awake, and then they get a little older, and they don't all mind all of the time. They're like sheep that go the other way. And then they get to be teenagers, and they get to be young adults. And you think it'll be okay when they're older. And it's not because you're still anxious and worried about them. And if we think our kids will change it and make us happy and satisfied, and that's what we put our our desires in, our our thoughts in, they don't. You see, the Bible says the Lord is my shepherd. He's the one who gives me fulfillment. He's the one who meets the needs of my life. And I I believe that's so important for for us to understand. He says, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He's going to meet all the needs in my life. And then we go on and it says he provides the things I need in life, as well as contentment. Listen to verse 2. And we take it over from where the shepherd is, kind of allegorically, that's what we're looking at here. And I believe David, as he was writing this, was reflecting back, because you see, at this point, David was getting older. He didn't write this while he was a shepherd. He wrote this while he was a king. But he was a king that had been deposed from his throne, he had been pushed out by his son Absalom. Absalom was chasing him through the wilderness, and maybe David was going through those same hillsides where he had raised sheep as a young man. And he was out there and said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
and I'm sure he began to reflect back on that more contented time of life. He says, he makes me to lay down in the green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He gives restoration to my life. That's what he's really talking about in verse 3. But I thought of the picture of the shepherd going out from the sheepfold. And the shepherd calls him out. The sheep follow him. And they go up along the path into the hillside to where the shepherd knows that the very best pastures are. The sheep don't know that. They don't know where to go. They'd stop along the wayside. Oh, there's pretty flower. Let's sniff that for a while. But the shepherd takes them up to the very best grass. And then he takes them down to the quiet pool where they can get a drink. Because you see, what I know and understand about sheep from reading about them is sheep don't like rushing water. They don't like the stream that's gurgling down the side of the hill because they don't like water coming up in their nose and they don't like it splashing in their face. And so that's not where the shepherd goes with them. He takes them to the pool. And he lets them eat in the pasture and he lets them drink. And I, I would say if I was thinking of David, he probably was sitting on the hillside maybe with his harp writing psalms or singing songs, or maybe he was out there practicing with his sling because we know he was proficient with a sling. By the time he killed Goliath, still a young boy, but he'd already killed a lion and a bear. David was a shepherd. He was taking care of his sheep. And as long as David or the shepherd was up there, the sheep felt good. They were protected. They were content. We're God's sheep. Do you know it says in James that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light with whom there's no shifting shadow. He never changes. He's always the same. It means that everything I have of value I have comes from God. Materially, spiritually, otherwise. It says in the, in the Lord's Prayer, it says, pray to the Lord for your daily bread. That he'll provide because, you see, everything we have to eat comes from God. He made it available to us. It's there. And so we have the material things. In Matthew chapter 6, I believe it is, it says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you because God provides them. And I think of those things, and, and he was talking about the material things that we need. He, he talked first about the sparrow, and he said, If God loves the sparrow and he provides for him, won't he provide for you? If God created that beautiful flower, and if you go outside today, there's a lot of beautiful flowers out there. Springtime, it's beautiful time. But those flowers that are there and gone so quickly, if he creates and clothes those, won't he clothe you as well? And that's the picture. Do you rely on your shepherd? Who is your shepherd today? The other one is that he supplies our spiritual needs. As we feast on the Word of God, we find that God supplies everything we need for our spiritual walk and our relationship with Him. Uh, that verse back in, in Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8, and it says, uh, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, 
but you meditate it day on it day and night that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you make your way prosperous. Then you have success. He was talking to Joshua, of course, of going into the promised land. And he said, I'm going to open the way for you, but don't turn right or don't turn left. You do exactly what Moses told you to do. That means that we take that book right there. For us, as we want that principle, we meditate on it. We look at what it says to us because the shepherd gave it to us. That's what we feed on. And we gain insight from him and we live according to the will of God. That's called obedience and that's what God desires of us. I look back in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. It says godliness, that is living according to the will of God. We could say that godliness actually is a means of great gain. When it's accompanied by contentment. When we're satisfied with what the shepherd gives us. And so he supplies our needs. He supplies our material needs, basically. He also supplies our spiritual needs. He supplies contentment. It all comes from him. He helps us with our decision-making. You have a decision to make? Psalms chapter 23, verse 3, it says, He restores my soul, and then it says He guides me. He sets direction He guides me in the paths of righteousness. And the word for path there, from what I understand, means a well-worn path. It's it's not something that's easy to get off of if you want to follow it. But if you don't want to follow it, man, you can go off to the side. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for my name's sake. It's wrong. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Do you know what the Bible says? It says God created us. Jesus created us for his glory. Not for our own. That we would glorify him. So he supplies, but he gives us direction. He gives us guidance. How do you make your decisions? For the future or just for today? How can we have peace with our decisions that, that we're making the right decision? You know, sheep are uh, difficult animals because if they're left to their own without their shepherd, they're, they're not going to make good decisions. They're going to go up that path and they're going to wander over here because they're going to see a little grass over there and over here because they see some flowering bush over here they want to chew on and they never make it up to the pasture where it's really supposed, where they're supposed to be, where the, the grass is greenest. We had, uh, we had a sheep in, in Bend. And we got a call from the neighbors. They said, your sheep's out. I said, how could he get out? He's in the pasture. I got this fence all around the pasture. How'd he get out? Sheep have thick wool all over them. It was a barbed wire fence. I didn't have any trouble with cattle getting in and out of there. We, had, uh, we always had feeder stock in the summer. When Darlene and I were there, we raised our own beef, our own sheep, our own pigs. Uh, that gentleman farmer preacher, I guess you could have called us, and anyway, we had this sheep, and he was out, and he was, <laughs> he'd left this beautiful pasture to go over in the sagebrush and little tufts of desert grass. We tried to put him back in. He didn't want to go back in, but you know how he got out? He made a decision. He wanted to be there. He walked right through the barbed wire fence because with their wool, they didn't feel the barbed wire. It didn't bother them, but he made a poor decision. It would have been uh, extremely poor if he had been left out there. He would have found that he did not have sufficient to eat, and it, it wouldn't have been a good situation at all. And sometimes we're like that. 
We just jump in and we make decisions without stopping to think and ask, what does God want? What would glorify and honor God here? And we have decisions every day. Some are hard. Some are difficult. I think of the young man that was in the service. Just gone in. He was a private. And uh, as happens a lot of times when you're in basic or you're in training, they send you over on KP, KP to, the, to the kitchen. And I remember going to KP and cleaning. Uh, that was my job, was to clean the kitchen and clean the mess hall that day. Uh, but this one, he goes over and the, and, a, and the sergeant comes along. He's a cook and he says, what I want you to do is I want you to sit down here. This is your job. And you see this big pile of potatoes? I want you to go through these potatoes. And the, the bad ones, you throw in the garbage. The good one, you throw over here. And so the young man sat down and he picked up his first potato and he was looking at it. And the sergeant went off. The cook went off to do his work. And the young man was looking at that potato and he was looking at that potato. And sergeant figured he was really getting them all cleaned out. You know, that's the way it should be. And the sergeant came back and uh, he saw this young man sitting there with his same potato in his hand. And he said, uh, Private, you don't like the job I gave you? You're not happy with the job I gave you? And he says, Oh, it's not that hard. <laughs> it's not the job. I don't have a problem with that. It's just decisions, decisions, decisions. Which ones do you keep? Which ones do you throw away? We're that way with some of our decisions, aren't we? Do you know what the Bible does? It helps us with our decision-making. God gave us this. Probably 95% of the decisions you have to make are right here. 95% of all the decisions you need to make, you can find right here. The issue is, are we here? Or aren't we? Do we make our decisions apart from God's will, or do we go back to God's will, to what the shepherd has to say to us? What does the shepherd want? Not so much what do we want, but what does the shepherd say? What is his desire for us? The others, major decisions, well, let me give you four points, four things to do. The first thing you do when you have a major decision is to pray about it. You get down and you begin to pray about it before anything else. If you can find anything about it that would be apply in the Bible, then you apply that. But if there's nothing there and you have freedom to make that decision, you pray about it. Lord, what do you want me to do? What's your desire here? Does the Lord give you peace or doesn't he? The second thing I would suggest is you write down all the pros and cons. Is it a good decision or is it a bad decision? Which way am I going to go? Why would I want to do this? Why don't I want to do it? And even that isn't going to give you a lot of answers a lot of times because our feelings and our emotions determine a lot of what we're going to do. Then you ask others. This is the third thing. You talk to somebody else about what to do. In, in Isaiah, or Proverbs chapter 15, a great verse here that, that deals with this. Proverbs 15, verse 22, it says, Without consultation, plans are frustrated. But with many counselors, they succeed. And so you begin to go to people that you respect. <laughs> Not people that are just going to agree with you, but people that you respect and help, can help you make good decisions. For a young person, oftentimes it's their parents. Or maybe somebody at church. Somebody that you look up to. Somebody that you believe can give you wise understanding of what to do. And then based on all of that, and you've been praying, 
Has God given you peace? If God doesn't give you peace, don't do it. Don't force the issue. Because I believe oftentimes the Holy Spirit works in our lives to set a direction. I don't believe that we make decisions just based on our emotions, but I certainly believe that God can give direction and God can grant peace. And so when we look at God as our shepherd, he meets our needs, he fulfills us. He gives us contentment in life because he takes us where we need to be. He helps us make those decisions that are are so difficult and so hard. He gives direction to my life, and then he is a protector. Listen to verse 4. Verse 4 of 23rd Psalm, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you're with me. In my footnotes, it says the valley of deep darkness. I I think when I was preaching on, on this passage last time, I asked David if he'd seen the shadow of deep darkness in, in Israel because it's there. It's, it's a valley a chasm that they would go through and, and it was so steep on either side that the sun doesn't come down into it very well during the day, only when it's at the top and when it's off to the side, it casts shadows from the rocks and for the sheep, it would be a very frightening place to go. Because you never know what's behind the rocks. What predator is going to be there? Is it going to be a lion? Is it going to be a bear? We know those were around there because David killed a couple of them. What was it like for the sheep to go that place? A child oftentimes is fearful of the dark. Until mom or dad comes in, they're, they're frightened. But when mom and dad comes in, it's okay. It's all right at that point. For the sheep, To go through that passage was okay because the shepherd was there. And it says his rod and his staff, they comfort him. Uh, A rod was nothing but a great big old club. And when the animal, the predator, would come, he would beat it away, get rid of it. I like the club. He also had a staff. And a staff was for guidance. It was a long pole and probably had a crook on the end of it. And when the sheep would begin to get off that path, that guidance that they were give, he was giving, he'd stretch it out and pull them back in. Give them a little tap. Go too far, he might give them a little whack. If, if a sheep was too far out there, he'd turn the crook and he would grab it by the leg and pull it back in. If it went down over the hillside, he might have to take that crook and pull it back up. So we look at that and we realize that they were comforted because the shepherd was there. And I would tell you today, and, and someone told me this morning as they're going through struggles, they had a picture of Jesus, and he's the comfort when everything else isn't perfect. He's there with us. Somebody else was struggling with some issues, and I said, write down all the verses you can think to deal with what you're dealing with, and when you struggle with it, pull them out and read them. When you go to bed and you wake up in the middle of the night, get them out and read them. Because God's there. You're not alone. I mentioned the woman earlier. She had been in our church for quite some time when I was in, in Antioch, and she'd come over here with us, but she had contracted cancer. And she said, you know, Andy, what's getting me through this 
isn't that I'm going to get better, but it's that God's with me through this. When Darlene was uh, a little younger than she is now, did I do that one okay? Okay. She had a, a mole that had been there on the side of her knee for a long, long time. And it began to change shape. And she had a friend that said, you ought to have that checked. Her friend was a nurse. They had been on the mission field, came home, and she saw that. And she said, Darlene, you've got to get that checked. And so we went into a, a doctor, and he checked it and did a biopsy and came back, and it was, it was cancerous. It was a melanoma. And we're told that melanomas grow quite rapidly. It's a rapid-growing cancer. Uh, if it had been up higher on the body, it probably would have been worse because it would have been close to some of the vital organs, but down there. And, and so we went in, and we had a, a surgeon, and we knew him. He'd start coming to church, and he went in, and he excised that, and boy, he took a big portion out of that. And then he said, Darlene, I want you to go to the cancer specialist in, in San Francisco. And we went over there. I don't know San Francisco very well. I, I can get around Portland, but I don't get around San Francisco. But we were going up these hills and down into this place. And we finally found that cancer center. And we went in and we sat down and we were talking to other people there. It was a melanoma center. And uh, there were people in there that were struggling they had been told years ago that they were clean, and yet they kept coming back to be checked. They were so frightened that something was going to happen. Darlene and I went home, and we never went back. We were total peace. Now, I don't know whether it was just because we were so naive. I don't think we really got it. But on the other hand, we were praying. And I think God gives peace in those times. Those are some of the struggles we have. That's when we find out if our shepherd is faithful. A couple of years later, she went to see another doctor, and there was another place on her body that did not look good. And he didn't say anything. He just took a sample, and he sent it in. He says, next time you come, I want you to bring your husband. And so I went in with her, and um, he says, it's negative. It doesn't test, but, man, it looks like cancer. I'm sure you have cancer. I want you to go to a specialist, another specialist in San Francisco. And we went into the other specialist, even though the test had come back negative, and she looked at it, said, man, that looks like cancer to me. It doesn't look good, Darlene. She took a sample, she took a biopsy, and sent it in, and it came back negative. She said, I want you to come back. I want to look at it again. We went back, she looked at it again, and she said, it's negative, but it sure doesn't look like it. And all this time we were praying and we were trusting God. And we had peace. They gave her some medication to treat it and it wasn't long before it went away. But you see, God's our protector. And it's only as we trust in him that we have that contentment. He is the one who meets our needs. He is the one who cares for us. He's the one who provides for us. We haven't gone back on cancer since then. God has been good. Good Shepherd is our provider. He's involved with our decision-making. 
He meets our needs. He is our comforter. He's our protector. Then it moves into uh, kind of a thing away from the sheep a little bit into a host. In verse 5 and 6 it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. That's what you do for the guest that comes in. My cup overflows. I have everything I need. And I'm sure that he was looking back to his time when he was a shepherd and and so thankful for that. But he had gone through such trials since then. He'd been in a battle with Goliath and he won. God gave him the victory. And then... He was anointed as king, and then after that, for ten years, he was in the wilderness running from King Saul, and he was made king, and he was battling the Philistines and some of the other people around them as the the nation of Israel expanded. Then his sons turned on him, and he was in that wilderness again, and Absalom was chasing him to kill his father. And right in the middle of that, God provided a sumptuous feast. Second Timothy, or Second Samuel. I just want to read it. There were three individuals that came to him in the 17th chapter. And I'm not going to deal with their names, but they weren't even Israelites. And it says, now David was out there in the, in the wilderness. And when David had come to Mahanim, whatever it is, Shobi, the son of, we won't go into all the names, and Machir, the son of Emil, and Lobar, and Brasilia, the Gileadite from Rogelim, Rogelim, whew, uh, they brought, listen to this, this is the important thing, because he's out there in the wilderness, his son's chasing him, it is a dangerous situation, and they brought for David and those who were with him beds and basins so they could wash, pottery, wheat, barley, flour, parched grains, beans, lentils, parched seeds, honey, curds, sheep, cheese of the herd, for David and for the people who were with him to eat. And they said, the people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. David, we're going to provide for you. And uh, I, I think that was a true event. I think that's what David was looking at when he was writing this 23rd Psalm. With my enemy all around me, you're providing for me. You're caring for me, Lord. You're my shepherd. Wow, how often do we sit contented when everything is going wrong? Work isn't working out, finances aren't there, things aren't going well with the family, we're struggling with people that we come in contact with. And it says, in the midst of all this, even when his son was seeking to kill him, God provided through these men a sumptuous feast. David, trust me. I'll meet your needs. I'm your shepherd. I'm the one who provides. One last thing I think Christians ought to learn to do. We find it in this last verse. I want to read it for you. David made this statement. He said at the end of this, considering what he was going through, it's amazing. He said, surely goodness And loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. I'll tell you what, Christians need to learn to live. We need to learn to live with God at the center of our lives. Because it's only when he's there that we're really going to have contentment and satisfaction. When he's not, 
We're not going to have it. Christians need to learn to live. Let me give you the second one. Christians need to learn to die. Goes on in this verse and it says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He talks about not just tomorrow, but for our eternal existence. Because God's our shepherd. Jesus Christ is our shepherd. Yahweh Ra'ah. Do we put our trust and our faith in him? Do we believe that he's going to meet the needs when we can't? Who do you put your trust in? Who's your shepherd? Is it your job? I'll tell you right now that your job isn't going to fulfill the need of your life. We do that sometimes. We think a job will do it. If, if I just had the right job, and yet you're going to have frustration, you're going to have struggles, you're going to have pressure. All of those things are going to come to bear with, on you because the job and you put your trust in. Is it another person? Is it your spouse? Is it somebody that's a friend? Is it somebody that you work with? I can tell you almost to a person they will disappoint you at some time. They won't always meet the need. But we have a God who loves us. Yahweh Ra'ah. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want because he provides the needs of my life like nobody else ever could. And it's when we submit to his leadership, we submit to him as the shepherd rather than just some individual out here who happened to forgive me of my sins, but he becomes the shepherd that our life changes and we're transformed. Let's pray, shall we? Father, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And yes, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Father that you are the great shepherd. Your son, Jesus Christ, is our shepherd. And even when we falter, we fail, we go off to the side sometimes. You're there to bring us back. You're there to draw us in. I think of the lost sheep that went off into the mountain and his shepherd left all of the other sheep so that he could go find that one sheep because it was so important to him. And Father, in the same way, we're important to you. And even when we slip and we falter and we fall away and we go the wrong direction, Father, you bring us back. And I've seen that time and time again when you've reached out to those who are dear to you and drawn them in. And Father, I pray that we would understand that today and we would go away from here with contentment and fulfillment in our lives, knowing that you provide and you take care of us and you meet the needs of our lives, Father. Thank you. Thank you. I pray for each individual here, Father, that you would lift them up and help them to understand that you are their shepherd and you are willing to meet their needs as they rely on you and follow you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.